Hazard Audio. The Gross Axelrod Show. With your hosts, Steve Gross and Matt Axelrod. Play ball. Welcome once again to the Gross Axelrod Show. We're your hosts. I'm Steve Gross. The guy over there is Matt Axelrod. Uh, you can find us every week right here on podbean.com or on the Rivet News Radio app, which is available through the iTunes App Store or on Google Play. Uh, we'd love for you guys to interact with us on Twitter. Hit us up on Twitter at Gross Axelrod, or you can email us at grossaxelrod at gmail.com. Uh, the show, as always, is produced by the stellar Johnny Five and is powered by Hazard Audio. Uh, we'd like to start out by thanking everyone who tuned in last week to our inaugural episode. This week we're going to talk about deflate gate with the Patriots deflating footballs. Uh, and we're going to talk about a little bit about Marshawn Lynch and how he uh, has absolute disdain for the media. We're going to give our Super Bowl predictions and we're going to do Sports Madness, which is a new segment that we're introducing. We're going to do on a regular or semi-regular basis about weird stories going on in the world of sports. First, we're going to start with Major League Baseball. We didn't talk any baseball last week. Matt, I know you're a huge Cubs fan and you've got to be excited about what they've been doing this offseason. Their expectations for them are really high. Uh, so let's just get a little bit of reaction from you about what they've done so far in the offseason. Absolutely an A-plus for the offseason so far. You could not have possibly asked for a better offseason. You sign Joe Madden, arguably one of the best managers in all of baseball. You get John Lester, who is one of the best pitchers, maybe the best pitcher on the free agent market, although I'm sure, I'm sure Scherzer would have something to say about that. Trade for Dexter Fowler, who's a good leadoff hitter, which was a hole in the lineup, and re-sign Jason Hamill, who had a stellar season for the Cubs last season. So, I, I mean, I, I couldn't be happier. They, they're looking great. I think Joe Madden is a great fit for the Cubs. Um, just kind of his whole demeanor and his personality, what he's really known for, uh, just seems to fit really well with the Cubs, the history, and, and their fans. You know, he, he, he likes to have fun, but he also likes to win. So I think that works really well with what the Cubs are and what their fans expect. And obviously, John Lester was a great move. But for some reason, I feel like, I feel like the Dexter Fowler move was a bigger piece for the Cubs than the John Lester move. I'm not sure exactly why I feel that way. Just when they signed Lester, I was like, yeah, that's that's a good move. You know, John Lester's a great pitcher. But when they signed Fowler, something in my head went, yes, this is kind of what they needed. Well, I think Fowler, especially after signing Lester, was a move they had to make. Because John Lester's already, I believe, 31. So you want to take advantage of his prime while he's still in it. Yeah. You've got a bunch of really highly touted prospects on their way up or already on the Major League Ball Club, but you're not sure how they're going to be performing this year. So bringing in a proven leadoff hitter shows John Lester and it shows the fan base, yes, we are capitalizing, we are trying to do this thing right now. We want to win immediately without really sacrificing anything for the future. They had to give up one prospect, Dan Straley, who is not even on their in their top five prospects. So it was it was a really solid move for them, and I think it should really help produce wins on the field. Right, and then signing Jason Hamill, you feel like, I know, is really going to help solidify the back end of the rotation. Absolutely. Jason Hamill is never going to be a blockbuster pitcher, but he really was fantastic for the Cubs last year. His ERA for the Cubs, I believe, was under three or just over it while he was on the Cubs. And it was pretty bad, at least for that first month that he went to Oakland. But he got back under control at the end of his uh, season in Oakland as well. Yeah, when we were talking about Jason Hamill a little bit before the show, and I, you know, I was kind of down on him. Then when you said that he's probably going to end up being their fourth starter, maybe somewhere somewhere in there, 
I think that's about right for Jason Hamill. You know, he's he's a he's a major league pitcher. He mm-hmm. is, but you know, he's not the kind of guy who you know if your if your team is playing against Jason Hamill that night, you're not going to go, oh God, we're facing Jason Hamill. You kind of expect for him to give up four or five runs in six and a third innings, and you know, then turn it over to middle relief. But I think for I don't for, know about that. His ERA last season was only three point four five. That's not four or five runs in six innings. That's like two or three runs in six innings. I'm not saying it's actuality. I'm not like that's not a stat or anything like that. I'm just talking about you know perception of him as a pitcher. He doesn't he doesn't scare anybody. But like I said, that's fine if he's going to be your your fourth or fifth starter, maybe even third. But I think that might be a stretch for his talent and, level. Yeah, and I, I do. That's another thing I love about the Cubs too is people have knocked them saying, okay, yeah, you've got all these all these hitting prospects coming up, but what are you going to do about pitching? Well, I think they've answered that question. In fact, I think the the starting rotation is a huge point of strength for the Cubs this season. You've got John Lester. My assumption for the pitching rotation is going to be Lester, then Jake Arrieta. Kyle Hendricks, Jason Hamill, and Tsuyoshi Wada. Last year, three of those guys had an ERA under three, and the other two were under three and a half. That's a really solid starting rotation. That's going to produce a lot of wins. It's not uncommon for Hamill to give up six or seven runs in a game, and Hendricks was a rookie last year, so we'll see We'll see how the second year goes now that everyone has a scouting report on him, and they've been able to see him a few times, especially in the NL Central. There are a lot of good teams in the NL Central. So uh, I think to have high expectations for the Cubs is, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. I think that the, the, the starting rotation, you're right, is going to be a lot better than last year, obviously. The hit the, and the, they're young hitters, too. The, you know, the league has seen them a couple of times. Javi Baez, we'll see. <laughs> he's so much fun to watch because I never know what's going to happen. It's it just, looks like he's going to tear his ACL every time he swings. Yeah, <laughs> he, he just closes his eyes and hopes for the best and <laughs> He's either going to hit it a mile or he's going to strike out, and he ends up hitting. What did he hit last year? Two twenty. I don't. I think by the end of the season he might have been under two hundred. Yeah. His first like two weeks in the majors, though, he was hitting over three hundred and had seven homers in his first two weeks. It was pretty fantastic. Yeah, but I mean, if if the Cubs have been working on pitch discipline with him, um, you know, not swinging at absolutely everything you get that's up in the zone. You know, I think he has a chance to be a good player just because he has so much power. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he has to learn to lay off a little here and now because he just he swings at absolutely everything. Yes, and it's great to watch, so entertaining. But I mean, you're just waiting for him to hit the cover off the ball. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm just waiting for the rest of these prospects to come up. I mean, Addison Russell should be great. And they're uh, they're they're really big prospect. I'm blanking on his name. The reigning minor league player of the year, though, coming up, he's going to be fantastic. I think should should expect to see him uh, about a month into the season. I would anticipate. So uh, let's get to it. Well, what do you think the Cubs are going to do this season? What's your win total prediction? Win total prediction is hard, especially in the NL Central. Like I said, you know, the Cardinals are going to be good. The Pirates are going to be good again. The Brewers were on and off last year, kind of, but. I think maybe 500 is, is reasonable, and I think that would be a good expectation for Cubs fans to have without getting too carried away. There's been some talk about World Series with this team. I don't think they're there yet. Yeah, yeah. I don't think they're going to World Series either, but at the same time, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid here. I think they're going to be very good. I'm predicting a 90-win season. I, I think they win 90 this year. Playoffs, yes or no? Uh, you know, that's that's tough. 90's right on the cusp usually. It, you got the Cardinals to worry about. You got the Pirates. But yes, I think they will make the playoffs this year. Cool. That's what I was looking for, a yes or no from you. I'm going to go with no. 
Uh, let's move on to another team that's been making some big offseason moves, the Boston Red Sox. Which I, as a Yankees fan, I almost vomit every time <laughs> I just say that the, that name. Um, they've made some big offseason moves, too, with Pablo Sandoval, Hanley Ramirez, uh, and the one that uh, puzzles me a little bit is the Rick Porcello trade. But Pablo Sandoval is going to help them. They had some problems with power last year. And Sandoval doesn't hit for as much power as you would think, but he... Uh, you know, he, he hits 10, 15 home runs a year, which is going to be a big improvement over whoever was playing third base last year. I can't even remember who it was. I I just can't believe that Pablo Sandoval, after winning, what, three World Series in the last five years, is leaving the Giants and going to another team. Now, granted, it's another team with championship aspirations, but that's just a crazy move to make when you've had so much success with the ball club and are such a fan favorite there, too. Yeah, and I think they were offering similar contracts, if I remember correctly. And yeah, the Red Sox have championship aspirations, but they were a losing team last year. I think they only won 70-something games last 71. year. 71. Why would yeah. you leave a team that won the World Series three times in five years to go to a, a team that's been losing so, uh, so much recently? Hanley Ramirez, they're going to move him to the outfield, it looks like. He's 31 years old, but I mean, just two years ago, he was eighth in the National League in the MVP voting, and he hit... 345. So he still does have some potential, I guess. I guess we'll see with how he does them with the move to the outfield, but they're set at shortstop with Xander Bogarts. He's great defensively, but Hanley, we'll see. Now, what are they going to do about pitching? Yeah, they're starting pitching rotation. Um, I mean, they traded for Rick Porcello, which last week we talked about how Trent Richardson was a terrible trade. I think this is a terrible trade. They traded Cespedes, uh, Cespedes for Rick Porcello, and they got Cespedes in the Lester trade. So they basically traded John Lester for Rick Porcello, which is a gigantic step down. It's undeniable. Um, so their starting rotation right now is Buckholtz, Porcello, Justin Masterson, who struggled last time he played for the Red Sox. He did okay in Cleveland, though. Uh, Joe Kelly and some dude named Wade Miley. Have you ever heard of Wade Miley? I have, I have never heard of Wade Miley. Yeah, I looked him up. He played for Arizona uh, for the first few years of his career, and he actually, was actually second in the Rookie of the Year voting in oh, wow. 2012 behind Bryce Harper. So I guess he's been pretty decent, but I don't. I just never heard of him. They need to make another move in pitching, though. There's been rumors that they're going to go for Cole's, Cole Hamels from the Phillies, or that you know James Shields is still available. So we'll see if they end up making another move or not. But with the starting pitching the way it is right now and their lineup, uh, let's do a win total predict, pr- prediction for them. What do you think? As they stand right now, I'm guessing 81. I think they'll be right at 500. It's a little bit better than last year, but yeah. still not a playoff team. I think that's probably a about right. I'm going to go a little bit higher than that. I'm going to go with 90, uh, just because if they can get a good year out of Hanley Ramirez and if Pablo Sandoval plays as well as he has been playing, and a full year out of Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts, has, uh, he played great last year when he was on the field. So if they can get a good year, a uh, good full year out of him, I'm going to go right around the 90, 90 win total for them. Probably not making the playoffs, though. I just don't see it unless they have better starting pitching, but that could very well happen. Yep. All right, so what do you think was the, uh, what for you, what was the most surprising thing that happened in the MLB offseason this year? I can't believe that Steven Strasburg is on the trade market. Now, I know that that the Nationals do have a really, really stacked uh, starting pitching rotation, but just the fact that he's on the trade market, at least rumored to be, is pretty crazy to me because that is a good young pitcher I mean, he's, what, 26, 27 years old and has never had a bad season in his career. Now, granted, he has had Tommy John surgery, but he's still never had a bad major league season. 
and to give up on a guy like that or even to make him available, it, guys like that are at such a premium. It, it's pretty crazy to see someone like that on the trade market. I mean, their starting rotation right now is scary. It would be Strasburg, Max Scherzer, Jordan Zimmerman, Doug Fister, who had an amazing year last year, and probably Gio Gonzalez as their as their fifth starter. I mean, that's, that's three aces pretty much. And then Doug Fister, who's a strong two, and Gio Gonzalez. Uh, that would be terrifying. But the problem with the with the Nationals lineup is huge contracts. That Jason Worth is under a huge contract. Ryan Zimmerman, uh, and now Max Scherzer. So, you know they're they're gonna have Jordan Zimmerman coming. Sorry, yeah, Jordan Zimmerman. Ryan Zimmerman is under a huge contract. Their third baseman, Jordan Zimmerman, their outstanding pitcher, is gonna be coming up for a contract next year. So is Doug Fister, and so is Ian Desmond. So, you know they're. I think getting rid of Strasburg, while it's not ideal, and Strasburg even said, well, Scott Boris said that Strasburg wants to stay uh, in Washington. I think it's, you know, definitely a, a viable move because they are they do have some salary cap issues right and now. He's a Boris guy, too. I didn't even know that. Yeah, if he's a Boris guy, he's going to be looking to get paid. Everyone's a Boris guy, it seems like, these days. I think the biggest surprise for me this offseason has been the Yankees and how they haven't made the big move, the big splash move that they traditionally made in other off-seasons. They, their off-season, their biggest acquisition this off-season was D.D. Gregorius, the shortstop from Arizona. I, I don't get it. I don't understand what they're doing. They traded one of their best pitching prospects for him, Shane Green, who was great last year. I don't understand what they're trying to do. Him and Steve, they signed Steven Drew to be their second baseman. That's the middle of their infield. D.D. Gregorius and Steven Drew, Steven Drew. They combined for a batting average of like 240. So safe to say you don't think they're making the playoffs this year? No, I don't. It's kind of like a little bit of a, a freaky Friday situation where the Cubs fans are kind of looking at World Series and the Yankees fans are like, eh, probably not even going to make the playoffs. We're just going to write this season off. The Yankees hit 245 as a team last year and their OBP was 307. Not very good. We got to take it to break right now. But before we go, I just want to remind you, you're here listening to the Gross Axelrod Show with Steve Gross and me, Matt Axelrod. We're here every week at podbean.com or on Rivet News Radio app, available on the iTunes App Store or Google Play. You can tweet us at Gross Axelrod or email us at grossaxelrod at gmail.com. Hazard Audio. Back to the Gross Axelrod Show. Once again, we are your hosts. I'm Steve Gross. He's Matt Axelrod. You can find us every week right here on podbean.com or on the Rivet News Radio app, uh, available on the iTunes App Store or on Google Play. Uh, we'd love for you guys to tweet at us at Gross Axelrod or email us grossaxelrod at gmail.com. We're going to start off the second half of the show talking about some response that we got on Twitter, actually. Uh, so we're going to throw it to our producer, Johnny Five, for the Tweet Zone, where he reads our, our tweets. Tweet Zone. It's a tweet. This is in response to a tweet giving against the spread of the NFL picks from last week. So from at Bizbing, that's three Zs, Bizbing, and he's saying, I'm going to bet my entire Kent scholarship on this. Don't let me down. I'll talk about pressure, guys. Yeah, so uh, we had tweeted out our, our picks against the spread for last weekend's NFL games. And uh, I, I hope that Biz Bing actually did bet his whole scholarship because we nailed them both. Uh, we had Packers plus nine, I think it was, uh, and they lost by six or seven. I can't remember exactly. And we had the Patriots 
minus a uh, hundred. Uh, whatever the spread was, they covered it. So uh, hopefully he did bet his whole scholarship on that because he's going to get a whole free a whole year of free tuition for that. Um, so once again, that was the tweet zone. Guys, uh, tweet us at Gross Axelrod. Give you guys a uh, a shout out if you have anything interesting to say or funny or uh, if we hate you. Any one of those will uh, will get you on the show. So we're going to move into the big story of the week that everyone's been talking about, Deflategate where uh, uh, the footballs that the Patriots used in the AFC Championship game were underinflated or deflated intentionally or unintentionally. Who knows? But, Matt, do you care about this story? No. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't really care either. I mean, I, I hate that the Patriots cheated, but I also hate that the media is turning it into such a big deal. They, they, the, they broke the rules. Let's punish them, and everybody just move on. It's Super Bowl week. And, yeah, speaking of moving on, the the national sports media especially, this is ridiculous. I listen to a lot of sports radio, and I can't turn it on for the last two weeks now without hearing about Deflategate, like, constantly. I think I've heard eight hours about it, and nobody knows anything yet. They're still doing the, the investigation to find out what actually happened. So what the hell are you talking about for all this time? They're just bloviating about this crap w- without having any actual knowledge and going in circles. It's time to stop. Yeah, absolutely. They should take uh, a note from Marshawn Lynch and just stop talking about it. <laughs> uh, so let's, let's talk about Marshawn Lynch with his, his disdain for the media, or I don't know if it's disdain. It could be an anxiety disorder or who knows, but uh, he just does not like talking to the media. Yeah, I don't know what it is, too, because earlier in his career, he, he didn't seem to mind it. He used to do the post-game press conferences, never seemed to mind it for uh, the first few years of his career. But now, you know, Marshawn Lynch just will not speak to the media, and he keeps getting fined, and they keep upping the fines on him. And now they're hitting him for $100,000 a pop every time he doesn't talk to the media. And, yeah, he has a contract. He's contractually obligated to speak to the media, but he's not going to. It, the the media keep playing this farce over and over again and trying to make him speak when they know he won't. And it's like they're trying to – it seems really petty. They're, they know he's going to get fined because he's not going to speak to them. And so it seems like they're just trying to punish him for $100,000 every time he won't talk to them. I don't know if that's true. Isn't it their job to try to get him to say something? Like, don't they owe it to the public? Isn't that – you know, these, these contractual obligations are put in place for the sake of the fans. You know, it, it helps form a bond between the fans and the players. It gets them more invested okay. in the teams, more so, invested in the league. I don't I don't know. For, first of all, I don't give a shit what pro athletes have to say for the most part. I really don't. Like, they very rarely have anything that's worthwhile for me to hear. There's a few exceptions. Anytime Kobe's talking, I'm listening because that guy's hilarious. But, like... I mean, I have I have a bunch of friends. I lived near Seattle for several years, and all my friends there are pissed off at the media for continuing to bug him like this. They don't care that Marshawn's not speaking. They just love what he does when the football's in his hands. It's not like he's being singled out. It's not like he's the only player who they're asking questions to. You know, every every single player in the NFL is getting questions after the game. He's just the only one who is not re- not answering them in a hilarious fashion, I might add. I wish he would talk more because I love the answers that he does give. But you know, it's it's a contractual obligation. The guy's making millions of dollars, and that's part of it. That's part of why he's getting paid so much. It's an entertainment business, and he's not fulfilling his part of the contract. It, it, I don't know if if he is willing to accept the fines for not speaking. That's fine. I have no problem with that. The, but the 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 idea that is out there that he shouldn't be con- contractually obligated to do this is ridiculous. Like if he chooses to take the fines and not speak. That's his own prerogative. But 
it's not just for him, you know? Like, they can't make an exception for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I see that. I just think that it, the way, and especially the reactions I've heard from members of the media uh, about him doing that, it seems, I mean, it's clearly uncomfortable whenever they do approach him. And it just seems like, you know, this is, especially now, it really bothered me the most now because they just had a, a really great, thrilling win against the Packers. And then, then he's uh, the media approaches him. They know he's not going to do this. So they're just ruining his day when it's supposed to be a day of celebration. For the most part, I, I guess I'm with you you know he should have to speak and if he doesn't want to it fine you know fine him but to to ruin what should be a celebratory day for him because of that just seems really petty to me again i don't think they're intentionally ruining anything for him they just it's they're just waiting for him to give them the next big clip if he does i I think they are if he does say something and you're and that and the reporter is not there to catch it you know that's that's a big miss it's it's very important for the reporters to do their job because that that's what helps us, the public, and you and I helps us get our information. If, they're if they they're just never stopped... going to get anything out of him. They're just not. All right. Well, let's let's move let's move on from that. Super Bowl week is coming up, and Marshawn Lynch is going to be required to talk to the media during Super Bowl week. So we'll see what happens. But let's talk about the actual game a little bit. I think the the line initially opened with the uh, Seahawks being favored. I think it has moved to where the Patriots are now favored. What are your thoughts about this game? As a homer, I mean, the Bears are really my team, but I love the Seahawks too because I did live there for a while. And so as sort of a homer, I want to go with the Seahawks. Uh, And I feel like the Seahawks are even the better team. I just have a feeling the Patriots are going to win this one, though. I'm saying Patriots by three. Patriots by three. Okay, I I think the Seahawks are going to win, and it's for two reasons. First one is Marshawn, and the second one is Lynch. I, I just think that he's unstoppable. He... He treats defenders the same way he treats the media. Just get the hell out of my way, and I'm going to go do what I want to do. He's absolutely unbelievable to watch. He's one of my favorite players to watch. He's, he's just so angry all the time. Like When he gets the ball, you can just tell. He's like, I'm going to score whether you want me to or not, and nothing's going to get in my way. Well, I hope you're right because I would love to see the Seahawks repeat. That would, Nothing would make me happier. Yeah. I just, the, the Patriots' run game – LeGarrette Blunt is so hot and cold. You know, he could he could run for 220 yards and then the next week have 15 carries for 27 yards. They don't really have a run game beyond him. They haven't pr- proved it all year. And I think Tom Brady against the Legion of Boom is going to have to move around a lot, and that is not his strong point. When people are, you know, invading the pocket and diving at his feet, that's when he starts to get a little bit more inaccurate in rushing throws. I really think Seattle defense is going to give him some issues with that. I, I think that Bill Belichick is going to pull out some tricks that we haven't seen yet, and <laughs> and and I think I think it's going to go. I, I think that will be enough because talent wise, I do think the Seahawks are a, a decent bit better. But Bill Belichick running the show. I mean, he you can say what you want about his integrity, but the man is a fantastic coach. He is a great coach, and. And we'll, we'll see what other kinds of tricks he could pull out of out of his sleeve. I, the balls will be weighed. You, <laughs> you know that for sure. It might even be televised, televised with the balls being weighed. Um, but, you know, I have full confidence in – I don't think it's going to be an issue because I have full confidence in Tom Brady's ability mm-hmm. to handle big balls. <laughs> so um, I don't have – I don't think the, the ball size is going to be an issue whatsoever. But I do think the uh, Patriots are going to end up losing this game. So we're going to move now to our Sports Madness section, which is going to be a segment that we're going to try to do on a regular basis, where we just talk about weird stories that are going on 
in the world of sports. Sports madness. Coming home from, from the AFC Championship game last week, Vince Wilfork saw a woman who, I guess she had rolled her car partway, so it was on its side, I believe, and she was stuck in the car. And he, like, single-handedly, literally with one hand, pulled her out of the car and rescued her. Now, she did end up getting a DUI. Uh, he couldn't save her from that. But I just thought that was a pretty crazy story, a pretty crazy way to end his day after after winning an AFC Championship game. Yeah, he's on his way home from winning the AFC Championship game emphatically. Um, and he just he just stops and pulls a woman out of his car out of her car on his way home from work. That's that's a crazy story. We got this one uh, sent to us by one of our listeners. Adrian sent us an email at our uh, grossaxlerider gmail dot com address, and he and this was about some man filed an eighty eight billion with a B dollar lawsuit against the NFL. He's a big Cowboys fan, and he said that this. Uh, the overturning the call uh, on the on the phenomenal Des Bryant uh, catch that ended up being overruled and called not a catch uh, that could have potentially given the Cowboys the win. Uh, he's suing them uh, with a handwritten complaint, it looks like, for $88 <laughs> billion. Dollars. And the reason it's handwritten is the best part of this story. He's in jail. This guy has, no, well, he has nothing better to do with his time than to sit around think up crazy lawsuits for the NFL to back up his Dallas Cowboys. This is just another example of how crazy Cowboys fans are. $88 billion. That is, what, 44 times the value of the entire Cowboys franchise? That's absolutely insane. Yep. I love I love how he just kind of threw legal buzzwords in there, but clearly doesn't seem to know about the law. Like, he called the video review and reversal of fraud and a gross negligence that caused true injury to the Dallas Cowboys. Did somebody say gross? <laughs> hey, that's my name. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously he doesn't know anything about the law. He landed himself in jail. So <laughs> clearly he doesn't know anything about the law or how to follow it. Uh, so let's move to our last sports madness story, which is the Kobe Bryant injury. The part about this that's crazy isn't the fact that he had a season-ending injury. It's the fact that he tore his rotator cuff in the third quarter of a game and left the game. And then in the fourth quarter, he came back into the game and played left-handed because the rotator cuff in his dominant hand was injured. That might be the most Kobe Bryant thing that's ever happened. That's it's up there. It's up there with tearing his Achilles tendon while getting fouled and then still hitting both foul shots. I mean, the the guy is a monster. He just doesn't have the word quit in him. Yeah, and we we haven't seen. I mean, that's just the competitive fire that's what that's in Kobe Bryant. I sometimes I wish LeBron James had that kind of fire because he would be twice the player that he is right now if he had the same spirit that Kobe Bryant has. We haven't seen something like that since Michael Jordan. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, physically LeBron is a freak, and it. I do wish that he has brought some more fire to the table because I don't even enjoy watching him play that much. He's a little boring to, to watch play. He is, yeah. Um, do you think Kobe retires now that he's going to miss the rest of this season? He's had a lot of significant injuries in the last few years. I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think this is how he envisioned himself going out. Right. Uh, doesn't he still have another year or two on his contract too? Yeah, he's got a few more years of making $24 million and hamstringing the whole Lakers organization. Yeah. He's got well, a few he's, years of that left. He's not saying goodbye to that either. So, no, he is not retiring yet. I hope he doesn't. I really hope he doesn't. I, I'm not a Kobe Bryant fan. I dislike him generally. 
But I, I love basketball, and I love watching Kobe Bryant play, and he he's good for the sport. Yep, I'm with you there. He does and says all the right things, um, and he's just he's just easy to hate. I've always been a Laker hater, so <laughs> take it with a grain of salt from me. But I hope that he sticks around for a couple more years so we can enjoy it what's left of his career. Thank you for joining us once again on the Gross or with the Gross Axelrod Show. That's Steve Gross. I'm Matt Axelrod. We're your hosts. We're here every week on podbean.com and the Rivet News Radio app. You can tweet us at Gross Axelrod. Email us at grossaxelrod at gmail.com. want to thank our excellent producer, Johnny Five. We're powered by Hazard Audio. Hazard Audio.